Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This ain't no time to get funky, man. Welcome to Wake Up Heavy, the world's greatest horror movie podcast. In this episode, my weird dad will be talking about... From the author of Taxi Driver comes Blue Collar, the story of three men who spend their whole lives working to catch up. You know, you should be done with that now. You have a behind schedule. This is company time, Bartoski. What are you telling me, man? That I'm going to be doing the work on three men? Let's move it, Zeke. You're dragging. You're always dragging the line. The American dream. If you're rich, you can buy it. If you're anything else, you've got to fight for it. Blue Collar. Hello, and welcome to Wake Up Heavy Recollections of Horror. This is Mark Bigley, your host. And today on Wake Up Heavy, I am going to be doing an extra Bigley on Bigley action episode, as promised, on Paul Schrader's 1978 film, Blue Collar. And this is also kind of a Why Didn't I Rent This episode, because I didn't rent this. It's not a horror film by any means. I didn't rent this when I was younger. I saw the VHS cover all the time. And it's one of those where the poster and the cover art did the film a great disservice. I had no idea when I was younger what this film was about. But the picture they use is strange. It's two pictures, actually, of Richard Pryor in different looks that he actually has throughout the film. But it was very similar to an earlier film of his called Which Way Is Up that featured three pictures of Richard Pryor as different characters. And so I assumed this was something similar where Pryor is playing different roles. I think our household, talk about ironic, Our household was more of a Bill Cosby household back then. Bringing home a Richard Pryor movie probably would have raised some eyebrows. He was known for his use of blue language, as they say. And it's safe to say that this would not have gone over well at my house. 
because for the time, it had the most instances of the F word and its numerous variations. You motherfucking fuck, fucking fuck, fuck, then shut the fuck up, Jack. Although we did watch his films with Gene Wilder fairly often. I think those had a few less F words in them, though. You a redneck peck of wood motherfucker, you know that? So it was just something that never really entered my mind to rent. Of course, years down the road, realize what the film was about, who it was by, who else it starred, etc., etc. As I usually do, I started looking for this on streaming services and couldn't find it for quite a while. I finally ended up watching this in April of 2020. 2020 was kind of my Paul Schrader year. I found, came across, or just looked up a number of his films that I hadn't seen. Part of that was due to doing an episode on Taxi Driver and wanting to fill in these Paul Schrader blind spots. So this was around the same time that I watched Hardcore, I believe. I watched things like Light Sleeper, Old Boyfriends, The Yakuza, and for the most part, enjoyed them other than Old Boyfriends. And this one, I think on this rewatch, actually, I enjoyed it even more than on my initial watch. I think I followed the story a little bit better and caught some of the finer details this go around, which rounded out the movie for me. It's about these three auto workers, Harvey Keitel as Jerry, Yafit Koto as Smokey, and Richard Pryor as Zeke, who struggle with their lives, with their jobs, and with their union. At some point, they realize that the union, who is, of course, supposed to look out for them in their daily work lives, is just as corrupt as the auto company that they work for. They figure the best way to stick it to them is to rob the union safe. It's one of those hard-hitting 70s dramas that, about midway through, turns into an ersatz heist film. A heist film with non-professionals. It's a working-class heist film. Not a comedy, which I think the poster did imply and probably did a disservice to the film when people went to see it and assumed that it would be a Richard Pryor comedy. He's fairly funny in the movie, but it is definitely a dramatic role. One of my favorites of his, actually, and also one of my favorite Yafet Koto roles. I love him in this. This ain't no time to get funky, man. So the film opens with this great title sequence and shows the auto workers in action. And I don't think I caught this at all the first time I watched it, but it really reminded me of that opening of Christine. The music's very similar. You've got that Detroit rock. Got a two-ton hammer. Dark meat by the pound. I'm a hard 
wood fucking bang. Six foot solid from the ground. Going down the assembly line. And then the titles themselves are this neat. They look like uh, chrome details on a car. And of course, right away, we get the sense that the workers are in constant battle with management. They call one of the, I'm not sure what his position, he just walks around and barks orders at people, but they call him dog shit Miller. Anytime there's a problem, the union rep, the steward has to show up and try to solve the problem between the employee and the company. We get a union meeting very early on in the film, and that's where our man, Ed Bigley Jr., makes his first appearance. Why don't you just explain the situation to them? The lives of the workers is pretty much work, get off, go to the bar, and then go home. There are some extracurricular activities. Zeke and Jerry leave their families at night and go party at Smokey's, who's single and supplies women and coke for them. That doesn't sound right. And during one of these parties is when they have the realization they need to do something else. If the union's corrupt and their employers are corrupt, they really have no chance. There's a lot of race issues with this. Everybody know what the plan is. The plant just shot for plantation. We have two black leads and one white lead. From what I read, everybody that heard that description would tell Schrader, well, you mean two white leads and one black lead, don't you? We get a lot of that racial disparity through the film. And at one point, one of the union bosses even says, look, we fought for parity for black workers to get paid the same. But you have little instances of fellow employees or the higher-ups making racial comments to black workers. Hey, boy, did you pick cotton this well? At one point, the IRS shows up at Zeke's house. He has lied about how many dependent children he has and ends up telling the guy, Take home two ten a week, man. God damn. And so I did the math real quick and just based on that amount and let's say a minimum of 40 hours a week, that's about 525 an hour. This is 1977. Not really sure what the federal minimum wage was at that time. I'm sure it was lower than that. I know when I worked in the 80s, it was only three something. But man, 525, 210 a week for that kind of work is just absolutely mind boggling to me. Really can't blame them for wanting to rob the union safe. Although, and this comes up in the film, if you think about it, any money in the union is probably from union fees, which means they're stealing money from their co-workers. And since, as I mentioned, they're not professional heist men, the heist scene itself, the preparation for it, the actual heist, do add some comedy to the film. The disguises that Richard Pryor buys are basically all novelty items, like buggy eyes, x-ray specs, somebody's wearing an arrow through his head, and a beanie. Yafet Koto buys watches from some guy off the street. They synchronize them at the beginning of the heist, and by the end, none of them are at the same time, and 
Harvey Keitel's has stopped completely. They rob the safe, knock out the guard, get away, and once they open up the safe, they find there there's only $600 in there. After they figure all the money they've spent, all the people they have to pay out, isn't going to amount to a whole bunch. Definitely not life-changing. They find a book inside the safe, though, that ends up being a gold mine, or what they think is a gold mine, and they discover that the Union seemed to be loan sharking, is the impression I got. They're going to use that now to blackmail the Union. The Union lies about what was stolen. They say 20000 $600 was stolen so that they can get the insurance money. The heist is our major plot point, but it's secondary to how these workers are treated, how they're treated as employees, how they're treated as people, that racial disparity. Yafet Koto has a great short speech in this that sums it up and sums up a lot of my own thoughts about work. Why do you go to the line every Friday? I have to hear this shit. Yeah. Why do you go to the line every Friday? Well, because the finance man is going to be at your house on Saturday, right? Shit, yeah. And that's exactly what the company wants. To keep you on the line, they'll do anything to keep you on their line. They pit the lifers against the new boys, the old against the young, the black against the white, everybody to keep us in our place. I mean, can't you understand that? And it's all pretty timely. This is something that people are struggling with right now and why we're having the great resignation, as they're calling it. The whole reason I'm doing this quick little episode is Ed Begley Jr. Three years for hitting a cop. And compared to the films that we're discussing over on Culture Cast, this is about... The same amount of time that he probably gets, say, in Cockfighter, which so far on the films we've discussed is his biggest role. He's in spots throughout the film, in the background or off to the side. At one point, he's sitting in the locker room reading Catch-22, and he does get some lines in. I particularly like this one in reference to this dog shit Miller who's always barking orders at everybody. Captain Asshole. But the rest of the cast is great. A lot of those 70s, 80s, that guy faces the leads. Kaitel and Yafakoto and Richard Pryor are all great. Apparently there was a lot of strife during the filming between those three leads, all thinking they were the lead. <laughs> I read numerous things on IMDb and Wikipedia Richard Pryor was throwing chairs at a lot of different people. One guy who I forgot was in this is George Mamoli, who will always be Joey from Mean Streets to me. We're not paying because this guy, this guy's a fucking mook. But I didn't say nothing. And we don't pay mooks. A mook. I'm a mook. Yeah. What's a mook? A mook. What's a mook? I don't know. What's a mook? You can't call me a mook. I can't? No. There's Cliff DeYoung, who is an FBI agent who is going after the Union. 
And I always get him confused with David Clennon. Every time I see Clifton Young, I think he's Palmer from The Thing, and that's just not correct. You gotta be fucking kidding. Look a lot alike, or at least they do to me. We've got a connection to another Scorsese film, Taxi Driver, as well as Citizens Band, which we just did for Culture Cast and is out now. You can go listen to it with Harry Northup, who adds some of that racial tension in the film. It's my money and I'll play what I want. That's what I like about the South. And not necessarily a connection to Citizens Band, but we do talk about this guy on that episode. Tracy Walter makes an appearance for a hot second in this. You may remember him from Silence of the Lambs and Repo Man. Suppose you're thinking about a plate of shrimp. Suddenly somebody will say, like, plate or shrimp or plate of shrimp out of the blue. No explanation. No point in looking for one either. It's all part of a cosmic unconsciousness. Lucy Saroyan plays Harvey Keitel's wife. Now, she is the daughter of William Saroyan and... Carol Mathau, later Mathau, they actually married each other twice, had a couple of kids, got divorced. Carol went and married Walter Mathau. It seems like Lucy was raised by them, was very close to Walter Mathau. She's in The Taking of Pelham 123. She died fairly young. She was a photographer, and her archives are held here at the Fresno County Library. I need to check that stuff out. We have Milton Selzer and Lane Smith. These are a couple of those, that guy, people who just showed up in everything back then. The script was written by Paul Schrader and his brother, Leonard Schrader, and they worked on four or five films together. I've seen... The Yakuza, of course, which I really like. Old Boyfriends, which I didn't care that much for. This one, and I still need to see Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters. He also died fairly young, I think early 60s, from heart failure. If you want to watch more films about unions and or labor issues, check out 9 to 5. Norma Ray, Harlan County, USA, On the Waterfront, Silkwood. I think a double feature of this, a 9 to 5, would be a lot of fun, actually. Very different tones to them. If I can squeeze in one last big leg, big leg action, action, action month. film, I may just do another Paul Schrader film and hit cat people, but we'll see. For more Bigly on Bigly action, head over to the Culture Cast or to wakeupheavy.com. I have all three episodes loaded up on there right now. Do people that listen to this show go and listen when I'm on other shows? I'm curious about that. Definitely check them out. They're good discussions. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. Stay safe, be smart, and don't forget... Anything can happen when you wake up heavy. Ho, 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 ho.
people. You a redneck peckerwood motherfucker, you know that?